With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Tation, Tim Smichek, the as yet untitled Coffee with Tation podcast. It's not, it's not the worst. Yeah, I don't mind that. Um, you're coming off of a, a title in Charlottesville. We're recording this before you get underway in Knoxville. Uh, we're at the Golden Roast here. And uh, yeah, you are the perfect first guest for a coffee type of a podcast. Uh, Thank you. you. I, like to, <laughs> I, I tend to agree with you on that. What'd you get today? Just a plain old drip coffee with a little cream. How do you choose your coffees? Because I know you are incredibly particular about it. Um, well, uh, I usually go with a lighter roast. Uh, lately I've been doing a lot of uh, Ethiopias or last week I, I uh, really liked a Tanzania roast or bean, I guess. Um, but, uh, yeah, I usually just ask for whatever's the lightest. And how did you come to, because I know you're, you're a rather educated, cultured man. I know you like your <laughs> wines. There's, there's no reason to laugh at that, because I know you like your wines as well. You've become quite educated on coffee as well. How has this developed for you over the last several years? Yeah, all the, all the finer things. <laughs> um, no, I like to um, make believe I know what I'm talking about with wine. <laughs> Um, I, I enjoy my wine and I know what I like so um, that kind of uh, I, I've got a couple of friends in the tennis world who I started drinking wine with one of them's uh, Kevin O'Connor uh, who's the president of Saddlebrook where I train um, and the other one's Craig Boynton uh, <laughs> and, and you know we'll, we'll have a bottle from from time to time, uh, how many of, how many glasses do you get out of that first CD? Well, you we might <laughs> we might have more than one bottle some nights, but uh, um, yeah. So that that's kind of where. In in honestly, um, going to play the the Napa Challenger a few times, and then uh, a few other tournaments, you know, within spitting distance. Might sometimes just make make the trip to Napa. Um, that's always been fun for me um so that leads to an actual question about you and i know that especially a lot of the younger guys i think back to maybe some of the guys you came up with um, many many years ago like to enjoy the party lifestyle there is there is the idea of how 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 do you balance going out having a drink or two in, in your case having a glass of wine or two versus being a professional athlete how do you balance that when you're on the road Sure. Well, it, it took me a couple of years to find that balance. <laughs> um, you know, I definitely, uh, my first couple of years on tour, I was, um, you know, not the most professional and, and uh, I, I liked to have fun. So, um, you know, for, for me, I can, uh, these days I can enjoy having a glass of wine and, and it, you know, 
not really have any ill effects the next mm -hmm. day. Um, so there's not, you know, I, I might skip a glass of wine at dinner if I've got, got an early match or something. But uh, for me, it, it's not, um, you know, it's not really that much of a trade-off. And, and honestly, as I get older, the the hangovers are just <laughs> so much more intense, so it's just not <laughs> worth it. <laughs> when, when do you allow yourself to relax and just kind of, I mean, not to bring up a hangover, but when, when you're allowed to kind of relax, have two, three, four drinks and... Sure. Yeah, no, I, I mean, um, one, of, uh, one of my favorite things to do uh, is uh, when, I, when I get home after a trip, my wife and I will cook dinner and we'll have a bottle of wine. Um, so, yeah, usually um, we'll, we'll relax a little bit more after I get off the road and, and um, have a few days where I don't need to be, um, you know, training or, or thinking about tournaments yet. You're one of the few guys who out here who are married. Um, how has that changed you over the last couple of years, even before you were married and had this long-term committed relationship? How, how has that changed how you structure your schedule? How has that changed just how you structure things on the road? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I, I try to shorten my, my road trips a little bit. Um, you know, it, we're, Anna and I are very, are very lucky that, um, you know, with her job, she's able to schedule, um, you know, clusters of days off. Uh, so, you know, she travels a bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I very rarely will play more than three tournaments in a row. Um, if we're in the States, if, if I'm not on the West Coast, I'll, uh, I might sneak home for... You know, if I lose early in a tournament, I might sneak home for, mm -hmm. for two or three days. Um, so, you know, it it it's um, it puts things in perspective a little bit. Um, you know, it, it's it's nice to have somebody to go home to. Um, it's nice to be really excited to go home and and um, you know just be home with my wife um, and it's kind of gives you an out to you know get on the first flight after after a match <laughs> yeah. um, you know but uh, I've always even even before I was married I really I was a little bit more of a homebody I liked being home as much as I could but um, now it's just uh, even more so I guess you're you know when you when you play these challengers maybe a little bit more so than when you're up at the ATP level, you're you're one of the older guys at, at this level. Um, do you feel segregated from them, the rest of the guys, a little bit um, in terms of just just age, or even the fact that you're married and maybe they're out on a Tinder date or something along those lines? <laughs> well, I know a couple of uh, players my age who still go out on Tinder dates. So that's <laughs> not, um, I'm not judging. Yeah, don't, right. don't get me wrong. Right, me neither. Um, no, you, you know when I was one of the younger guys. Um, it was really nice because some of the um, older older players, you know, were just very friendly and they kind of took us under their wing. And um, who was that for you? Um, well, I mean, I, I lived with with Marty Fish for a while. Uh, I've been close with James Blake for a long time. Um, so those sort of guys, but also, you know, when we would be playing challengers, it was, 
you know, we would hang out with Robert Kendrick mm -hmm. or, or Bobby Reynolds, uh, Amir Delic, those sort of guys. Um, and they were always, um, you know, very friendly and, and, you know, they weren't afraid to tell us we were idiots for, uh, <laughs> you know, going out and having too many beers or something like that. So, um, you know, I, I've, I've tried to kind of do the same thing with some of the younger guys. Uh, we all get along real well. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I definitely, there, there are times where they make me feel uh, very old. Um, Try being my age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I think we get along um, real well. Do you uh, have an understanding or, or, or a realization of the fact that you're kind of a cult hero? A what? The, a cult hero amongst the tennis world? <laughs> like the idea of, of people celebrating Smee bombs, your aces? I mean, it's... I didn't even know that. It's no. a thing. Yeah, I didn't know that. You, you, I, I think there's an appreciation of the fact that you're, you're a smaller guy. You're, you're like an average human being, if you will. You're not some six-foot-five sure. monster. Um, do you take pride in something like that? That people can relate to you a little bit more than maybe they can somebody who can drop a 145 with drop of a hat? Uh, trust me, if, if I had a choice of being my <laughs> size or, or uh, Riley Opelka's size, I think I'd you know, be a no-brainer. But um, I, I guess I'll say uh, uh, being my size or stature or whatever, um, you know, I, I I really believe that I have to work harder at certain things than than most guys, and so um, you know, if if anything, I, I hope that um, you know people will just take that uh, from it and, and see that um, you know, it's just a, a kind of a testament to hard hard work and and um, and um, professionalism, because I think uh, you know uh, probably seven or eight years ago uh, I uh, I was sat down and uh, had a talk with with Craig Boynton mm -hmm. and um, it was really kind of a, a turning point in my career um, and he asked me you know what my goals in tennis were and I told him and, and he looked at me and he said do you, you really think that you're gonna get there kind of doing what you're doing now yeah. and it was just kind of a you know, shot to the gut, um, and so uh, you know, kind of from that point on, I, I uh, had to make a decision to um, not, not take tennis more seriously because I always took it seriously, but to you know really recognize um, the the hard work it was going to take, but also the the you know just it, it being a full time job and. and uh, you know that I couldn't um, have the sort of life that normal twenty-one-year-olds or whatever I was at the time. Yeah, it's not just an excuse to travel right. and, and right. meet all sorts of interesting people. And that's kind of what um, gets lost on the normal, you know, non-tennis player. Uh, seems real glamorous, but uh, you know, I, I might have a, a six-hour workday, but you know, those six hours are, are pretty intense and. Um, you know, if I if I go home and lay on the couch for a couple hours, it's not because I'm lazy. It's because <laughs> I can't get up. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
to to interrupt, so I'm drinking a drink here. We haven't talked about it. Called the Sunrise. You are more adventurous than I am. Yeah, I, I like to get out and explore a little bit. This is orange juice with a shot of espresso and and yeah. hazelnut syrup. Yeah, it, it is. It sounds like one of those, um, you know, you know when you like when you're a kid and you go to all the different uh, the hurricane the soda fountain. That's what yeah. we always call it. Yeah, yeah. it kind of sounds like that it does it definitely needs a little bit more sweet but we're, we're on the tennessee campus i think they're trying to use I the orange I, as a, yeah you know i didn't think of that that must be it you know i'm my airbnb is two blocks up i don't think i'm gonna come back and not for that get that again yeah uh, <laughs> so you just finished a, your first title in in two years it's I, I know it's been a long process for you to get back and you've gone through coaching changes you were with Dustin for a while. You obviously had that long relationship with Billy. You went without a coach for a while. Now you're back with Dustin. How does not necessarily just you, but how, how how do you think players should should what they should look for in a coach? What are the things that are important? Because you see uh, a lot of coaches, especially national coaches, who have three or four guys under their wing, um, and, and that's the same with you right now with Dustin. How how do you think a player? What should they look for? when trying to partner with a coach? Um, you know, I, I think at different different points in your career, you're going to look for different things in a coach. Um, I think for a younger guy, uh, it's really important to have somebody that's just going to be there day in and day out. And not that younger players need a babysitter, but younger players kind of need someone to hold them accountable uh, day in and day out. And that's actually kind of what I've gotten back into a little bit with Dustin. Mm -hmm. um, it's been good to, uh, you know, have somebody to basically give me a lesson plan every day or, um, you know, just just figure out how I'm going to get better every day. And, and um, one thing I'll say is that I've been really lucky the, my last two coaches have had just off the charts uh, tennis IQs and so um, you know that's not necessarily something that I'm good at mm -hmm. um, whether it's um, you know the emotional part of it or, or whatever but uh, one thing that I noticed when I was without a coach for, for nine months or so is that I, I had really a lot of trouble analyzing matches um, and I would just walk off the court scratching my head and wasn't sure why I lost matches. Um, so for me, uh, I uh, really have a lot of trust in, in Dustin and I really trust that he's, you know, sending me in the right direction and that we're... Um, working on things that are going to make me a better tennis player. Um, so I think if that's kind of the first thing that that somebody should look for in a coach is someone that you can really trust and um, you, know, you believe that kind of they know better than you. Um, you know, there have been times where I was working with a coach that, uh, you know, you're always, you, you might disagree with, um, with, a coach, but if it's kind of constant and, and you start to lose faith that they know what they're talking about, yeah. that's where a relationship can break down. 
do you think coaching is something that will be in your future down the line? I mean, is that a mentality that you have? No, it really isn't. I, and um, you know, I, I uh, plan on getting out of tennis. Um, you know, tennis has been really good to me, but I. Um, I'm really looking forward to not traveling. <laughs> yeah. Um, I uh, in in I think to succeed as a coach, you you have to be on the road a lot. Right. And um, that's just one of the things I fantasize about sometimes is just getting off the road and you know whenever it is that I retire a year from now, a couple of years from now, is just uh, getting to be at home and not having to think about catching a flight the next day yeah. or something that's uh that's something i really look forward to so um no i i, I don't think coaching's in my future <laughs> we I, I mentioned this i asked you this uh, after you went on sunday but just you know i'd, I'd heard rumors of retirement for you that this was going to be kind of the last go around this year but obviously there's a lot of work that you've been putting in and i know you're playing well so how how are you structuring and what where is your mindset over the next year two years and sure. how you're going to balance that well, when, um, you know, I, I had some dark days earlier this year. Uh, it's really easy to lose perspective when, you, when you're just losing a lot of tennis matches. Yeah. Uh, tennis players really kind of um, derive a lot of their self-worth from their ranking and, mm -hmm. and, you know, the matches they win and lose. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely had some, some days earlier this year where I was thinking a lot about hanging it up. Um, you know, I, I spoke to Dustin frequently, and uh, you know, he told me a couple of times, just just hang on, just hang on for a little while, and um, then maybe in May or so, he told me that uh, that he was gonna um, come back uh, with the USTA, uh, and that he was gonna see if you know he could help me out, um, and then he said, just you know, give me two years. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know you've got another chapter um, another chapter in you and, and you know give yourself a couple more years and so uh, you know really the, the turning point was was just when I started uh, working with him this summer uh, and right away you know I, I, was, I still lost a couple of matches but right away I started to see changes in my in my game and and um was it more technical or or the emotional uh, game management stuff yeah game management okay stuff. um we don't really work on technique or anything um but uh yeah game management and, and you know strategy and tactics and that sort of thing and just figuring out a way to think my way through matches um that's the other thing is is uh you know the end of last year and first half of this year uh, you know just kind of lost the ability to think my way through matches um, so that's really satisfying uh, <laughs> you know to, to figure things out yeah um, so that's been uh, that's been a major part of it so um, yeah you know I, I'm given I'm, I'm trying not to put too much of a deadline on on myself and and um, you know, don't really want to think about that now and feel like things are moving in the right direction. While we were driving over here, you were you were listening to NPR, and I hope you don't mind me me saying that. No, uh, 
You're a thinker. I think everybody who talks to you knows that, but you're you're also not somebody who likes to share. You're not a you're not a Twitter person. You're not much of a social media person. Um, how do you balance that in terms of you know realizing that you are a public persona, a, a personality that that people you have fans, um, with also keeping things in your life private um, so that you don't overshare. And um, it's, it's a very difficult balance that I think a lot of like the 18 to 22 year olds, they just really struggle with. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure when it was, but at some certain point I realized like, you know, nobody probably really cares about what I'm thinking right now or, or um, you know, I, I, <laughs> I sometimes see people on social media or um, you know Twitter Instagram and just sharing and and I think to myself who I mean who cares <laughs> um, you know it's some people have um, you know really interesting um, insights into life or into tennis or whatever you're following them for but um, I just don't feel like I have that much to. <laughs> it's it's to, interesting because uh, I, I think, I think people who would who know you, myself included, would would disagree. Like I I find myself always interested to talk to you because I think you do have an analytical mind. So when I want to, when we talk tennis, which is not too often, I I, I always value your insight. Um, I know how much you do think about things like politics. Um, and so I, I, I think there would be a lot of people who are actually interested. But it's, it's a very difficult thing because I think right now in our country you have this growing imbalance Divide. between... Yeah, it, it's gotten yeah. really bad. So it, do, do you feel that there's ever a point where you would want to step into that role? There are so many tennis players who, who embrace it, so many who just mock it. Is there ever a point where you would step forward and say, I, need, I, I would like to take a stand on one particular issue? Sure, sure. Um... Yeah, it's just, it's, um, I mean, I know, I know some of the nasty messages that I get just about tennis, you know, and losing matches, and so uh, I sometimes can't even begin to imagine uh, what people would say if I, you know, said something about abortion or, or, or healthcare or something like that, Um, and and um, you know, whenever I catch myself wanting to say something publicly about that, I kind of pause and say, "Well, who am I?" <laughs> you know, because yeah. there are people who um, you know devote their lives to that sort of stuff and and know a heck of a lot more than I do. Um, I definitely have my opinions, but I like to listen more than uh, than speak or tweet. That's not something that ever happens now well but you see people put their foot in their mouth way too often yeah um, and that's uh, you know it's just there's there's too much uh, ugliness in the world these days and you know uh, kind of um, you know at least on Twitter and Instagram uh, people uh, 
you know, know who my wife is. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I guess a certain amount of that is trying to shield her from that. Sure. I have gotten nasty messages about my wife even, which is just crazy. So, yeah. um, you know, no, no sense in giving people more fuel. Okay, well then the next step would be, I, I know you're a man of faith as well, um, how, how can you or how can anyone bring a more positive message? How can you impact communities where you get to travel to? How, how can you spread more of the love, more of the positivity while you while you're, have this, this platform? That's a good question and if you have any ideas you can <laughs> let me know. Um, over the last year or so, um, I uh, tried to uh, organize a couple of little field trips for, for guys at, um, at tournaments uh, to go to uh, local children's hospitals. We mm -hmm. did that here last year. We did it in um, uh, Houston a couple of years ago. Um, so I guess, um, you know, as far as that goes, it is, it's pretty small platform. Funny, funny story, somebody, uh, you might have seen this, somebody on Twitter a couple of weeks ago uh, tweeted at me that they saw me in the grocery store I did and see that. said yeah. something about being a big tennis fan and I said, you must be a, a really, <laughs> really big tennis fan. Um, but um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm open to ideas. Uh, one of the things that Dustin is, is big on is... Um, you know, and and this was kind of their their whole um, mantra at at UVA uh, is is uh, making the making the world a better place through tennis. And you know that might mean different things to different people. Um, you know, I saw a story the other day about how much money Roger Federer has raised for schools in Africa, mm -hmm. um, which is pretty incredible. And you know, I'm I'm probably not going to be able to have that sort of impact um, in my lifetime but you know I'm just kind of still searching for that and, and uh, you know the, the, the thing that I try to remind myself is just to not be a dick on the court because yeah. you see it a lot <laughs> um, but uh, that's kind of the best thing I've, I've come up with is to you know uh, act, act in a way that um, you know that I'm not going to be ashamed of later can you, do you feel a necessity to express that to younger players? I, I bring that up because a couple days ago, your final with, with Tennis Sandgren, and obviously Tennis had some issues with the crowd at times where he was, he, he expressed it to the crowd, and, and I mean, we've seen it in so many different players. Is there a way you can teach that and and help other players understand why that's important? How, how do we do that? Um, I don't know, it's, it's kind of tough because we're, we're, in tennis, we're getting kind of mixed messages. Um, you know, a lot of people like to say that uh, tennis is missing a, a John McEnroe type figure right, right. And, and that, um, you know, some of the, the, the more the, the uglier stuff is, is good for tennis because it gets people to watch and, you know I, I, I understand that um, but that's just not me and so um, I don't know uh, I, I guess it's not uh, 
you know, one one way is right or wrong. I mean, as, as long as you're not hurting anybody. Right. Or, you know, but um, uh, this way is just right for me, and it's, you know, I know my parents watch a lot on the live streams. <laughs> yes, so, they do. You know, just, your dad uh, checks in with me every once in a while. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so don't don't want to. I know um, you know how they raised me to act and kind of got to do right by them. Well, we've, we're hitting this this thirty minute mark, and I kind of want to keep it under that because I think a lot of people don't like to listen for a full hour, uh, especially to me, since I'm going to be doing twelve hours of broadcasting <laughs> today, anyways. But um, you're on the road. What do you look for in a coffee shop when you're in a new place? You've been to so many, you've been in Knoxville plenty of times, you knew exactly where this place was. What do you look for in a new coffee shop? Because I know you're not a yeah. Starbucks guy. Yeah, so I look for um, kind of just the trendiest looking <laughs> coffee shop because without fail, they have the best coffee. Um, you know, if they, if they roast their own beans, it's even better. Um, but... Uh, yeah, just something that's uh, small and out of the way, and and uh, you know if they do like pour overs stuff like that, um, that's always good. Last week at Shenandoah Joe's, they do only pour overs, so you know that's that's one of the best spots all year. And do you? I mean, at this point, do you just have locations in every spot that you're you're set you go to, or do you explore a little bit like Knoxville? Do you go to different places? Well, I've got uh, two or three places that I go to here. Um, really only had one last week. Haven't found a good one in Champaign. I've got you taken care of. Okay, yeah. Um, but other other than that, I've, I've got a pretty good idea. Most you, have you been to Cafe Kopi in Champaign? No. I haven't been to Champaign in a couple of years. Okay. So. Cafe Kopi, Paradiso, and Urbana. I've been to Paradiso. Okay. It's... It's okay. Yeah. Um, and then there's a new one that I'll, I'll get you to. I think it's like Flying Machine. That is like it's trendy. really trendy. That's perfect. Hippie. And, Can't wait. And they make pizza at the same time. Pizza and coffee. Tim, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, being the initial coffee cast uh, yeah. participant. We appreciate it. I thought this went well.